What is up, everybody? My name is Jake, and this is another episode of the Rotten Potatoes podcast, where four, I guess, three friends sit down and review movies you absolutely should have seen, but at least one of us hasn't. Hi, I'm Zach. <laughs> I'm Tyler. Dude, that's a spot I'm on Scott. Zach. <laughs> uh, Zach is not with us for uh, this recording and next recording, uh, because as our listeners know, we do batch recordings because uh, it would just be too impossible for us to go week to week. Uh, unfortunately, Zach and and his wife Kate had a little bit of a rough week with the tiny little fingerlings, yeah. and uh, he requested that we just marshall on without him and uh this is this is a, a sad one for me to do without zach yeah i was telling scott before we recorded earlier today i was like i really feel like zach would have been uh very much on my side for this one and i wanted him here for it yeah uh but it's whatever also i thought you were about to say unfortunately zach and his wife had twins oh. <laughs> <laughs> and i was like that's a that's one way to look at it <laughs> that, that is one way to look at it it's it's uh not the way i look at it but uh one could yeah I was talking with, uh, we, we just came off of a uh, uh, church service and I was talking with someone, one, one of the, the listeners of the pod, Tom and his wife and, uh, his wife, Cindy did not realize that Zach had twins. What? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow. She doesn't listen. I know. Yeah. So Tom, make sure to give her a hard time about that from us. Play the uh, podcast before you go to sleep at night in the bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> Just let it play on repeat in their sleep. Yeah. It really sets the mood. Mm, I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> this laugh. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, I'm not. <laughs> oh, man. Well, uh, Jake, what movie? I mean, it's it, if you know this movie, you know that scene, but it maybe feel people don't what, yeah, what are we um, reviewing? so this is almost famous and actually that scene i think is why most people know that song even if they don't know this movie mm-hmm. because i was this how i heard about this movie for the first time was i was reading elton john's autobiography ah. and he was talking about this movie and that scene because a uh, tiny dancer wasn't very much of a hit when mm-hmm. it came out in the 70s and then this movie almost 30 years later uh comes out and this song happens and then that song charts for the first time isn't uh, that crazy huh. yeah like 26 years later or something yeah i thought maybe this was going to be kingsman 2 <laughs> yeah because <laughs> he's in the movie you know yeah did you uh did you clock him early on in the film elton yeah in this he was in this movie yeah or there was someone who looked just like him playing him very early on Oh yes, I thought you meant Elton John himself was in it. it there, because there's been so there's so many crazy cameos in this movie. Right, and so many people that were like moderately famous come in to do like you, you could say tiny almost parts. famous. Yeah, almost <laughs> <laughs> uh, came in to do such tiny things. Like what's Nick uh, Nick Schwartzman? Yeah, is a David Bowie fan. Right, and uh, Mitch Hedberg is it has no lines right but is in the movie just sitting at the poker table right as the eagles road manager and there's just so many people like uh rain wilson yeah i didn't do just every every person i wouldn't call them cameos uh because a lot of these it was before their career really skyrocketed yeah i would say i don't know i feel like they're people that were probably moderately well known sure like too big to be doing such a small thing right but right yeah yeah and now they're much more famous. And now they're more than famous. Yeah. Not just almost. They were almost famous then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now they're almost not famous. Now they're almost infamous. Oh. I or know, dead, right? What did In they the do? case of Mitch Hedberg and yeah. Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah. Rip. Wow. Philip Seymour. Uh, so, Jake, why did you pick this movie? Uh, yeah, I, I watched the movie for the first time because I read about it in, the, in Me by Elton John, which I thought was a good book and I was just interested in the movie and then I watched it and I just really liked it. I feel like it's a really good movie that I don't think gets talked about very much. And it, it, I think it's something that appeals to me in particular. I think this is an era of music that I really like, it, you know, something I grew up on with because my, my parents listened to it when they were growing up. So then I got to listen to it when I was, uh, 
so I don't know. I just I liked it a lot, and I thought it needed it needs a it, people need to talk about it more. I think. Mm. And when it comes to like Elton John fans, I think you're probably the biggest one I know. I hope so. I've seen him twice. I might be me and my little sister might be the youngest people to have seen Elton John twice in concert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say I know one other person who's seen Elton John twice. It's my stepmom. She's a little bit older than uh, But me. she's quite a bit older than yeah. you and your sister. So yeah. uh, I think, you know, yeah. Anyway, Scott, you were a late bloomer to this, right? I was. I was a late bloomer. Um, wasn't sure what to expect coming into it. Um, didn't read about it. And those are never my best experiences. <laughs> I should have. Like Jake and I have gr- typically great experiences yeah, with yeah. like going in blind. It's uh-huh. my favorite thing in the world. Yeah. You, not so much. I'm the opposite. Anytime I go in blind to a movie, I don't like it as much. Uh, yeah. I, I kind of get the sentiment behind it because I feel like with a lot of things, I need, I think TV shows more than movies for me, but I feel like you kind of need to figure out how to watch it, if that makes sense, or like like who you got to figure out the characters and it takes a long time to kind of figure out what's going on and who's important and what you should be paying attention to. Mm-hmm. But usually I solve that problem by watching it again, not by reading about it beforehand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I try to read about it beforehand so that my first experience is the best experience. I mm. think, I think that they're both good experiences. I think they're just different and I really appreciate the blind experience and not knowing what's uh-huh. coming. Uh, and then I like to do it again if I liked the thing. Yeah. I, I also though like to do it again if I didn't like it. Like I'll usually like if I didn't like a movie, that's probably a bigger reason for me to rewatch it. It won't happen as fast. Um, but usually like if I didn't like a movie, I'm like, ah, uh, I just gotta give it one more shot. Like maybe knowing what I know now or just being like in a different headspace going into it. Uh-huh. But that doesn't apply to all movies, right? That's more just like movies that you think you should like. Yeah, that's you were, true. You were like, like Batman versus Superman didn't get a second shot, right? <laughs> no, that never got a second. That never got a second watch. However, Justice League did. I mean, I, I gave it another shot. The Schneider cut or the. Well, that's what I, I guess. No, uh, I guess just by watching the Schneider cut like uh-huh. that, that I would qualify that as like I'm giving this a second chance uh-huh. and so I still hated it. You're like yeah. Andy from Parks and Rec. I think this is one of my favorite lines he has he's talking about he's like it's like expendables three uh, first time i watched it i didn't like it second time didn't like it third fourth fifth sixth seventh time i watched it i realized it's just not a good movie <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's yeah. that's me in a nutshell for sure uh well before we go any further scott why don't you hit us with a little bit of just the facts about this movie yeah so this was directed by cameron crow it was also written by cameron crow it released September 22nd, uh, year 2000, has a runtime of 122 minutes. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes gave it an 89%. IMDb gave it a 7.9. It had a box office of $47 million on a budget of $60 million, so it actually lost money. Uh, but it did win three awards for Best Supporting Actress for Kate Hudson, Best Supporting Actress uh, for uh, McDormand, and then uh, Best Film Editing, and then wasn't nominated for any other awards. And speaking of Cameron Crowe, this is like a semi-autobiographical story for him. Yeah. Uh, A lot of the stories were taken from his life. And I think this is, I think, largely based on he toured with the Allman Brothers Band. Uh, uh, Yeah. Reporting for the Rolling Stone Mm -hmm. as a a, a young man. Yeah. As I think he was 16. Yeah. When he, when he went on that, on that tour, Uh, which is just crazy to me. That's nuts. And like for a band that, would go on to be as legendary as the Almond Brothers band. Yeah. I th- like I, I love, I love them. And to be able to like see them get famous oh, as yeah. a 16 year old kid, that's gotta be, that's gotta be pretty cool. Yeah. What a like truly like storied life Cameron Crowe has led. Yeah. Uh, and to be honest, like, I mean, he's, he's pretty clear that like, yeah, he's drawing from his experience, but it's not like truly autobiographical. Like this isn't like real moments, you know, kind of a thing. Uh, most of the movie is, is, uh, you know, it's, it's a story. Yeah. Uh, but man, what a obviously great story to tell. Yeah. I think that I, I like this story an awful lot. Um, and I feel like, uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't ever feel, I don't feel like in coming of age movies, I usually relate to people and I don't feel like I related to him and this is an experience I had, but I just feel like this is 
who, if I was in this situation, I would have been. What's his? What's the character's name? Cameron, the Cameron Crow character. Uh, I can't remember for the life of me right now. Uh, William. Well, yeah, I would have been the the awkward kid that is was just so in awe of all these people. I I don't know. I liked it. Oh yeah, I mean it. Yeah, I I had uh, seen this movie before once. I think probably around the time when it came out. Uh, this actually is one of the oldest movies in my collection. Really? Yeah, I've owned this uh, mm-hmm. forever. And it starts with an A, so you always see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's what yeah. I was going to say. Is I feel like for the longest time since I've had your login, I've see, I've looked at this and been like, I wonder what that movie is for uh-huh. a really long time. Yeah. it's I bought it, you know, right around 2000, you know, probably closer to... I, I was pr- I was a little bit younger than this character's age when I watched it for the first time. And so this is a movie that, to be honest, I'm going to say I've slept on, even though I had seen it before and knew that it was good. Um, I never really went back and rewatched it. I never revisited it until watching it this time. And man, was this just a fantastic movie. I really, I like, I, you know, I had been, the reason I picked it actually was I was scrolling through TikTok and then somebody included it on their list of perfect movies. And I was like, I remember liking it a lot, but would I call it perfect? And I still don't think I would call it perfect, but I think I liked it better this time than I did the first time. It's just such a vibe of yeah. a movie. Like it's like the, it's really about the music, you know, like Cameron's really telling a story of, of, of how music has impacted his life. Uh huh. And, uh, man, it's just, it's such a vibe. Scott, you said that you, you didn't really like, yeah, I, I wouldn't say like I had a bad experience with it or that like I was like super like negative on it, but I would say I had a very mid experience of the movie. Mm. Um, I don't feel like any of the acting was bad, but I don't think any of it was like the performance of a lifetime either. Like I didn't, I didn't feel like anyone, like, I feel like everything was just like right where it, was supposed to be at, on like a like normal level but mm. not like just nothing for me like stood out about this movie i think i also struggled to connect with the story like or a character in the story in mm. this movie and so like i just never put myself in it and so it was very much like a distant thing for me like i wasn't like connecting with it and i think probably you didn't connect with or care about any of the music considering that you didn't even know who david bowie was until two years ago. <laughs> I uh, didn't know who David Bowie was. I knew he was a, a musician. Oh, yeah. I, no, I remember we talked about him in, what was the movie that we did? Perks Being Wallflower? Yeah, that's, that's right. I have no idea who you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I imagine this isn't music that you like. Um, yeah, I mean, it's not my, like, oh, I got to listen to this right now type of music. I don't mind it. I think it's all good. Uh-huh. Uh, especially, like, when you go to a, a movie like this. Like, there, none of them are, like, super deep cuts. Like, they're all, like yeah music that like the masses know at least now um so it's interesting that you said like this is the movie that popularized that song i think that's cool um i think of uh there's yeah recently what was the other movie recently where like it brought back an old song and it was like on the top of the charts oh it was oh brother where art thou i thought we were talking i think more recently didn't stranger things do something oh yeah there there was was, a new kate bush song yeah there were some different songs there also recently with the disaster of the titanic thing like uh, right celine Dion Dion songs were back at the top of the charts again yeah it was uh but we were talking about oh brother where art thou the opening song was from the 1930s or something like that and it recharted mm-hmm uh, after it after uh, Oh Brother Art there yeah. came out. And so it was like, and most like cr- music critics were saying like, it's amazing. Like no one's listened to this song in 50 years. Like mm-hmm. nobody has listened to this song in 50 years. And you know, here it is again. Yeah. I think for me, probably my, like my favorite acting in this were some of the support characters that weren't in it a whole lot. Um, I think Francis McDormand did great. Uh, I think Philip Seymour Hoffman did great. I think all the people, like all the band members, I think the the main kid, I think Kate Hudson, like they all did a decent job, but, sure. but none of it was their best performance, I feel like. Mm, I, now, granted, yeah. I haven't seen uh, the band members in other things. Like none of them were super familiar to me. You haven't seen like My Name Billy, is Earl? Billy Crudup. You uh, haven't really seen him in much? Mm-mm. I don't think so. I don't think I've seen Billy Crudup in much either, I don't think. Really? What, what, what would I know him from? Well, most famously recently... 
uh, he's in The Morning Show on Apple Plus. I watched a couple episodes of that, but I didn't. And uh, he also was in Mission Impossible 3. I've only seen Mission Impossible 1. Oh, that's right. You haven't yeah. seen that. But Wait, Crudup and Philip Seymour Hoffman were both in 3? Yeah. Oh, I yeah. remember Seymour Hoffman from it. I don't remember Crudup. I, I was. Uh, I have a bone to pick with you in a couple episodes about Mission Impossible, actually. Oh well, <laughs> we'll we'll save it for them. Yeah, a little teaser. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, I'm I'm uh, can't say I'm shocked. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't watched. I haven't watched the movie. I haven't watched the Mission Impossible. Spoilers. We're picking a Mission Impossible soon. I haven't yeah. watched it yet, so I don't oh. have any. I don't have any beef with that movie. Oh, but I just can't believe we didn't pick the one with Philip Seymour Hoffman in it. Oh yeah. It's just, I mean on it. Yeah. Anyway, we'll get yeah. there. Uh, <laughs> Philip Seymour Hoffman, I think, I think did, I mean, he delivered, I, I agree with you, Scott, this probably wasn't his best performance because he was playing such a small role. Small role yeah. And do you want to know something crazy? Mm. He could only be on set for four days, had the flu the whole time. Wow. The entire time he was performing, he had the flu. Wow. I mean, you know what? Like, and he's still. I think I really like his performance. Yeah. I think it was. Is I he think, okay? <laughs> oh, he didn't make it. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, I thought. I mean, it wasn't his best performance, but I will say that he delivered the perfect performance in this role. Like, yeah. he delivered exactly what the role needed, and I really liked that we, you know, got to see a little bit of like. I don't know where I'm at in life right now. I think I'm starting to pay attention to how people tell stories uh -huh. and like their voice. Like I'm, I'm starting to like really notice that more. Uh -huh. And I really noticed, uh, how Cameron Crowe used the Lester bang character. So similarly to Jerry Maguire with the like chapter sort of like cutaways to the mentor. Yeah. Mm. Like I'm starting to like, that's just part of his voice. And I love it to be honest. I'm mad that like, I'm mad that I want that to be part of how, when I get to tell stories, I want that to be part of how I tell stories, but I don't want to just directly rip off Cameron Crowe. Like it's so good to me, uh, how he uses that as a vehicle to like, give you a little bit of a break in the, like, uh, in the exposition. Uh-huh. While also like, okay, now we're making a pivot. Like now we're going to talk about this for a little while. It's such a really, I think, I, I think like the, the mark of a, of a master in, in Cameron Crowe in as a storyteller. Yeah. I don't think, I feel like it was something I noticed that I didn't think about that. We, we have these like pivots and breaks around him. And I, I liked all of his scenes. I really, especially like the one where they're talking and he's like, I'm not cool. Like, yeah, I don't have anything to do. That's why I'm at home. Nobody wants to talk to me. Ugh. I like, thought that was a really good scene. And I, I liked every scene he was in. I wish he was in it more, but I don't know that him being in it more would have been better. My favorite scene with him is when they're on the phone and he's like, yeah, man, these corporate a-holes, you know, like whatever. And he's like, yeah, yeah. Apart from that, what's wrong with doing it? And he's like, I don't know, man, just do it. Just do <laughs> yeah. the story. And he's like, okay. And he's like, who are you listening to these days? And he's like, Stillwater. And he just hangs up the phone and says the <laughs> kid's on drugs. <laughs> <laughs> and Stillwater was a real band, right? But this wasn't like the, Still, the actual Stillwater. Stillwater was the name of a band. Yeah. But this has nothing to do with the with band Stillwater. Yeah. I think that they... Because they kind of like pulled like different like personas from different yes, bands and exactly. made them all into one in this, right? Yeah. This band, Stillwater band in this movie is sort of an amalgamation. Mm-hmm. But I, I liked, um, yeah, the supporting characters. I really like, and I don't know if it's because I'm biased because I liked My Name is Earl, but I liked Jason Lee in this movie. And oh, yeah. Uh, I thought he was fun. He had one of my my favorite lines in the movie that I, I don't know why I think about all the time when he's talking about, um, I, don't know, is this an, I don't know if it's an inappropriate line. Maybe you need to cut this guy. But when he's like, I'm, I'm the front man. I'm trying to get everybody off. And I find that one guy in the crowd and he's not getting off. And I get him off too. Yeah. And you can quote me on that. <laughs> I think about that scene a lot. And I don't know. Why. I, just, I, I think it's funny. I, it's it. I did love, to be honest, like the, the, purity in the observation of these musicians that it really was not like like fame was almost the enemy uh-huh like they called the kid william enemy you know yeah. 
but like fame was the enemy for them because like it could only do them harm to be honest like that's how they perceived notoriety uh-huh. uh that it really was for for these people about like an experience for the people that were coming yeah and i think that was uh like I, I, I never thought I would say that Jimmy Kimmel was well cast in a movie, <laughs> but I think that's why he was like, he, I think Fallon, he was, you mean Fallon, Fallon. Yeah. I, I, I never know the difference. Yeah, I, I, I remember I, him being yeah, Jimmy, Fallon. <laughs> yeah. Jimmy Fallon, like he played the, the loser uncle corporate man uh-huh. very well. And oh, like yeah. you, as soon as you saw him, you knew that that was bad for them, right. for their music. And I, I, I just like, I remember the first time watching it and I thought, Jimmy Fallon is in this movie because he's in the opening. Yeah. Credits. When the, and when I'm they, like, that's crazy. What is he going to do? Uh, and I was a little bit annoyed. And then I saw him I was like, that was a good choice actually. Yeah. I mean, it's, it is a weird choice for him. Yeah. Like, you know, like it's a weird casting, but it worked. Yeah. There was a band that died in a plane accident, right? Oh, lots yeah, of bands lots died of in bands. a plane. Uh, Skinner. Uh, what the but Buddy Holly died in a plane crash. That's yep. what the the American Pie is about. That's what American Pie is about. Yeah. Um, but Jim Croce died in a plane crash in San Diego. Actually, he used to have a park, and then they shut it down. Yeah. So the song "Bye Bye" that's about a band dying in a plane crash. Mm. The day the music died. Yeah. But yeah, it's these small planes. I don't know why musicians, why so many people get these small planes. They you're you're going to die in one. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's a, it's a factor of in these, you know, you, you buy a small plane or you're, you know, renting a small plane and the chances of that plane having the correct amount of attention given to it are just so much lower than like a jet commercial liner, liner, a and commercial a, liner. A lot of those they're older yeah. and yeah, they're being maintained by private individuals. Yeah, and and there's just not as high of standards for maintenance, and also to be honest, not as high of standard for pilots. Mm. Uh, but yeah, all like lots and lots of famous people. There was I I mean one of the Kennedy family died in a plane in a small Cessna plane crash. Yeah, I you couldn't pay me to get on one of those. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever seen the grateful dead plane, but they, they do private planes, right? Because I think they just have a 747. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's the way to do it. <laughs> I saw it in the airport once and I was like, that's pretty ball. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be honest with you too, I, I, I don't, I've never flown in one of these small aircrafts, you know, the seven, eight seater aircraft, but I've been inside one of them. They're also, they're not comfortable. Like, Really? I wouldn't do it, but it's just not. Yeah, I've never done it. I know my parents have because um, they, uh, my my dad's parents uh, live in a smaller town in Pennsylvania and there's no like, it's a small airport in that town. So mm. there's no big flights that go into. You but, have to go on one of those. Or you rent a car and drive for a few hours uh, from the large airport. Got it. And so they're, I know they've at times just taken a smaller like Cessna type craft from the Pittsburgh International to the small Johnstown airport. I've heard those are like buses basically like, like in Alaska, like uh-huh. you just, you, you hop on and then people recognize people cause they just take these tiny little flights every day. Oh yeah. That's how you get around. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, wouldn't never do. Apparently that's something that happened to Cameron Crowe. He was in a uh, very bad turbulence on a small plane and they all thought they were going to die. So he, that was based off something that happened to him too. Oh, nuts. Yeah. That's, that's crazy to me. I also, I will say like, uh, Frances McDormand, you know, you said that she, it wasn't like maybe even for her, like one of her best performances. For but you. I said her and, uh, and Philip Seymour were like my favorite part. Yeah. I, I, a lot of times don't like Frances McDormand's characters. I think she's a very good actress, mm-hmm. but a lot of times I don't, I find I have a hard time like she's acting for roles her. You don't like. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and surprisingly I found her very endearing in this movie. I really did too. And it, you wouldn't think so because she's just like, I imagine she would be the most infuriating mom to have, but <laughs> right. I, it, it's very clear that she's doing what she thinks is the best. And the only thing that she wants is the best for her kids. And it's just, she's very endearing, even though I can't imagine how annoying she would be to have to have as a mother. And, and she felt like to me in this, that character felt like the every mom kind of thing in some uh-huh. way, you know, like, like, I mean, she didn't remind me really much of, if at all, about my mother, but, like, I knew so many friends' mothers 
when I was growing up that I'm like, oh yeah, it's just like this person. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like she, she delivered that so well. I loved when he gets the, the job very early in the movie and she's like, no, 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 no more than four days. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That was the thing is like, she seems very strict and then she just keeps letting him do it. I think she realizes what a great opportunity and it would be crazy to not let him do it. Yeah. Even though it's crazy to let him do it at the same time. And I imagine that this is probably nothing like Cameron Crowe's real mother, but I imagine that that experience was Cameron's experience of his mother of just being like, cause can you imagine like that? This was a, that part of the story is a true story that a 16 year old who like was just writing for some underground music newspaper in San Diego like gets an offer from Rolling Stone to tour and that a mom let a 16 year old go on tour with a band. Mm-hmm. The seventies and the eighties seemed like the wildest time. To oh yeah. Grow up. Yeah. It just seemed like you were, it, it was stuff was just happening. You were like, yeah, no, go for it. Like the world is the people thought the world was such a safer place. I guess I doubt it really was, but they were just like, go for it. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's yeah, the nothing's re- going to happen to you. Go ahead. It's yeah. the reason why they don't have to say on the news anymore. It's 10 o'clock. Do you know where your kids are? Yeah, <laughs> like they used to they used to start the nightly news with that back in the, you know, 70s, 80s and into the 90s a little. And then they just kind of tailed off because parents were just a lot more like paying attention to what their kids were doing, you know, like it was a lot more like, okay, we've got to, we've got to keep an eye on these little kids. The me generations, kids all grew up and realized that they should pay attention to their kids. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Um, you, you mentioned generations. I think that's an interesting thing about this movie that it does kind of capture something that is, is kind of gone for maybe forever or at least for a while in our life is this was a generation that, existed on experiences to the point where I loved Zoe Deschanel's like line to like the little kid, the young William, when, when she's like, you know, look under the bed, it'll set you free. Uh And then he, you know, sees the note and it's like, listen to Tommy by the who with a candle burning and you'll see your whole future like experiences were such a big part of this generation's life and like you look at uh kids today and it's like experiences really aren't a big part of their life content is a big part of their life yeah i mean content is just everywhere Mm -hmm. and it's you can't it's got to be a big part of your life (laughs) because you can't avoid it so almost famous in a way like now today feels like a requiem more than for a dream. <laughs> yeah, it feels like requiem for a dream. <laughs> this movie and requiem for a dream, basically the same film. Yeah, don't say that. <laughs> don't don't make I'm me. Gonna, think about I'm it. gonna score them about the same. I mean, wow. like, I'm just <laughs> I mean requiem in the like you know old music sense of a requiem. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it feels like a requiem for, for like a, an era that was really like had a lot of, yeah, like brokenness, but like had a lot of beauty to it, you know? Yeah. Like I, when I watched this movie as a kid, I didn't really connect with the character, uh, William character, Mm -hmm. but this time, like looking back, I really like, I honestly like wish that I had some of those experiences of my own. Like I felt a longing for those kind of experiences. Mm -hmm. It's funny because as I like watched this movie and like saw this experience, I was like, that's something Tyler would have done. Yeah. I mean, because like you were very independent. I was. And you were someone who could write and like do these types of things. You really liked music as well. And so I was like, you could have, e- this easily could have been you if you were born maybe a little bit before that. Yeah. You were. Oh, totally. Or if I had just been like, if I had been given like the, I don't know, permission or, or maybe opportunity to like get into that space. Uh, like, yeah, you're absolutely right. Like mm-hmm. this to me, like looking, like looking at this movie, like, f- like 
it felt like, oh man, that was something I missed out on. Well, it's funny, like, and not to go too like deep cut into your your past and everything, but like, let's go there. Think, give me some <laughs> tissues. <laughs> like thinking I'm ready about to cry. Thinking about like you know coming out of in high school, like our senior year, you're like putting together like a concert with like real bands. Yeah, like to throw this like big thing at a college to like make this huge event. And it's like, you kind of did this kind of stuff. It's just in a different way. In a different way. Yeah. I'll, I'll never forget. Uh, <laughs> I'll never forget uh, signing contracts for bands and negotiating like to book bands uh, at 17. Like I wasn't legally able to sign any of those contracts, yeah, but you I did. Not paid them. I know, right? <laughs> this isn't enforceable. <laughs> this is an unenforceable contract. It was a minor who signed it. That would have been a, that would have been a, a very different story in my life. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I would have I would have looked back and been like, man, I need to go apologize to some to Stillwater to Stillwater. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I I was thinking about it the other day, like you know that was such a that was such a wild experience, mm-hmm. uh, and yeah, like it does this movie does call to that like part of my, my youth and my story. Um, and yeah, for what it's, uh, for what it's worth, I, she just started listening to the pod guys, my mom. Oh yeah. So mom, thanks for, uh, thanks for just like in this movie, uh, just like the mom did. Thanks for, you know, uh, giving me space to do things that frankly, no other, I, I wouldn't trust a 16 year old to do today. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I feel like 16 year olds today, not that they're like any different than 16 year olds, you know, 30 years ago. It's just their experiences are so different Yeah, than that of 30 years ago. Oh yeah. And so it's not like it's their fault that they're different. No, but you're right. Like what I would trust like a 16 year old with 30 years ago is not what I would trust a 16 year old with today. Totally. Can I just say, Scott, that was just like masterful avoiding sounding like a boomer. (laughs) I know that you were, you worked really hard for it and I think you nailed it. Yeah. Yeah. Because it would have been so easy to be like, I can't trust 16 year olds these days. 16 year olds, 30 years ago. Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Uh, Maybe 50 years ago. (laughs) Yeah, right. I, the music in this movie, I I think I kind of said this, but like it creates such a, such a, like a powerful emotional experience. Uh, But when he's flipping through the records that his sister gives him Uh, every single one of those, I'm like, banger, banger, banger. Yeah. uh, My, my thought, cause I've started collecting vinyl in recent years. I just thought, man, I can't imagine how much any of those would cost to buy today. Oh, (laughs) a fortune. Probably bought it for a nickel in the 60s well and here's the thing they've only gone down like now like uh scott your dad uh his shop that he owns mm-hmm. is next door to an a, an a vinyl alpha manufacturing company and mm-hmm. so they like they create the essentially what you press into the raw vinyl to make the record uh-huh. And he was telling me years ago that, uh, like, I mean, like seven, eight years ago, he was telling me that like, oh yeah, this shop, I've been next to them forever. And like, they've always just been crickets. And like, all of a sudden they are hiring like crazy. They've Mm -hmm. blown up like, you know, because vinyl made a resurgence. But I remember being 16 in London and all I wanted in the world was a, to go uh, to, uh, shepherd's bush, uh, where the who came from and buy a record by a who album. I didn't have a record player. I just wanted that as like a, a keepsake. It was yeah. my favorite <laughs> band. Um, and I walked into a record store in, uh, shepherd's bush. I, I feel like I'm saying that wrong. It might be sheep bush, but I, it's gotta be shepherd's bush. Uh, I walked into a record store. I found a who album and it was 200 euros. Wow. Pounds. Pounds. Which yeah. Is even I'm worse. sorry. Pounds. It was even worse. Yeah. I'm sorry. 200 pounds for an album. And I was like, well, never mind. Like I wasn't even gonna 
like I, I I would never have even asked my parents like can you buy this for me for like a like we'll call this an early birthday present or something like it was just like that's ridiculous and now today it's like oh yeah you know, 20, 30 bucks for a repressing. And that, and it was a repressing. It wasn't really, even, it wasn't yeah, a first, it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't a first pressing. And so it was like, Oh yeah. Like it's come down so much, but those original albums today would be hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of dollars. Yeah. I, I have a, a new, a new, uh, what's it called? White whale. I'm chasing <clears throat> to get for records actually, which is uh Jim Croce's first record, which I hadn't heard mm. about until this year. Apparently he pressed, a thousand of them himself. Wow. And then sold them all. So if any listeners out there know where I can find one, I'll pay you. <laughs> Drop a finder's fee. Yeah. yeah. That's a, that's my white whale right now. That's a good how, white how, whale. What's your like limit on how much you would spend on it? I haven't really thought about it. Probably a couple <laughs> hundred bucks, but not more than that. And it probably is not enough money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For one of a thousand. Yeah, probably not. Uh, uh, Scott, you had mentioned that Francis and Philip Seymour Hoffman were, were some of your favorite uh, parts. And I did want to say, Zach, uh, even though he's not here, he did give us his review, which will, you know, will include his rating later in the in the uh, when we do ratings. Um, but I did want to share on his behalf that he did say that this is his favorite Cameron Crowe movie mm. and that he in particular really thought that Philip Seymour Hoffman and Francis McDormand outshone the main characters. So people like Hudson and the kid who played William, I don't, I don't even know who he is to be honest with you. I don't feel like I've seen him again. Patrick Fugit. Okay. Yeah. I don't, I don't know that. I, I mean, I recognized him because I remembered seeing this movie when I was a kid, but like, yeah, didn't using gone girl. Oh yeah. He was a, looks like a, a minor character in gone girl. Oh no, he wasn't a minor character. He was the main cop in Gone Girl. Mm. It was him and the the female cop. I haven't seen it. Oh really? Yeah. You haven't seen Gone Girl? No. Oh man, we might add that to the list. Uh, it is super intense though. Like it's not a fun time. It's not. Is it prisoners intense? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can we, I need I need a two year break from that intense from when we watched Prisoners. So I, yeah. two years from Prisoners, I'll be willing to do that again. Uh, one of our one of our uh, old friends uh, watched this movie. I I like kind of made him sit down and watch it, uh, and he said that uh, it made him want to never get married. I think yeah. I know who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, it's Brian. Yeah, I, yeah. Say, I remember him saying that. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And then I thought, okay, well, maybe I won't watch that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's super intense. I will say though, I took my grandma to see it in theaters. Like I watched it in theaters and I was like, Oh, I'm going to take my grandma to see this. I think she'd love it. And she did really. Yeah. I don't remember where I was when I watched it, but yeah, I watched it and I was like, mm. I think, I think it was, you probably watched it for the first time when we watched it at your house. The the time I'm talking oh, about when, at, when Brian was, oh, when Brian been, said, yeah. I think it was you, me, Brian and will sat down and watched that. We did a couple of movie nights and uh-huh. that was one of them. Could have been. Sorry, you weren't invited, Jake. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> I mean, I think you were probably still. No, when you guys lived in that house, I was in college. You were in college. Oh, you didn't live in that house. When they lived in that house, yeah. I was in college. I mean, I kind of lived in that house. Uh, yeah. I, I I lived on the couch. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was a weird time in life. That was fun times. Um, yeah, so Zach, Zach agreed that like those two outshone the others. Mm-hmm. I think uh, even like really minor characters like i don't know i was thinking about the kid that loves led zeppelin yeah I, dude i liked him i thought he was funny i thought he was a really good addition to the movie i liked seeing him a second time in new york it's like he's here yeah i like liked that kid mm-hmm. he he touched this pen yeah <laughs> minutes ago he touched this pen <laughs> yeah. and I, th- I think like their performances like made me care more about their characters and th- like their desires like for me like i didn't really care about the main kid all that much except for that. I cared about that. He came back home to his mom safe. Mm. You know what I mean? Like I was like, it was out of care for her that I cared about him. Interesting. I think I, I kind of get it. Like I, he was not my favorite part of the movie, but I did care about him and it was rooting for, I didn't like Penny, Penny Lane. Yeah. She was was the worst thing for him. Mm -hmm. But, um, and I didn't particularly like, um, Russell was Russell. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, I think that this movie is 
more of a coming of age story for Russell than it is for William. Oh, that's uh, a dude. That's a hot take. Which because I just, I like it though. Like that, I was thinking it at the end. I was like, he like Russell's, you know, figuring out what he needs to do and who he needs to be. I think more than William is. Um, yeah, but, William. William is frankly like even though it is like he's getting a lot of new experiences, he's really unchanged. Yeah, like he's the same kid in the beginning of the tour than he is at the end of the tour. Uh-huh. Well, and I think Penny also had a little bit of growing up in it too, like, and how she like sent Russell to the other house. Like she didn't just let him keep using her. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. And I really liked that interaction that Russell had with Francis McDormand. And then he gets off the phone. He's like, your mom freaked me out. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> oh, speaking of minor characters, the, the hotel clerk that later goes on to uh, modern family fame. Oh, the guy that's like, your mother called. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. And he goes, oh, yeah. You know, got a call from, he says her name. He's like, your mom. And he's like, yeah, thanks. And he's like, she's an intense woman. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I, 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 I really feel like watching this this time I, I feel like this is a movie I'm going to now revisit time and time again, because to be honest with you, there's something about Cameron Crowe that just makes me feel romantic. Yeah, I think this is like, it's very romantic about this time. And I think it's a very, it's a time that's easy to be romantic about, I think. Yeah. But it's also a time that would be very easy to be not romantic about. And they even show it in the movie. They're yeah. like, all the guys on the bus are like, check out these high school girls. Right. And I'm like, this is gross. And then I'm like, this is probably what happened. Yeah. And then somehow I'm still romantic about the movie. I'm still romantic about the era. And I don't, I don't know how they do that. Well, even Penny, when she's like, I'm, you know, he's like, I'm 18. She's like, me too. And he's like, I'm 17. She's like, me too. And he's like, I'm 16. She's like, me too. Like, isn't the truth just, it sounds different or something like that. And then he says, I'm 15. And then he's like, I'm 15. Uh, but yeah, it's like, it was frankly hard for me. Like I didn't remember, I remembered obviously Kate Hudson's character in this movie. Like she's such an important part of the movie. And Uh, of course she's like, what's on the poster of the movie. It's her face. Yeah. Um, but I did not remember that she was 16 years old, like through all this. And it's like, yeah, that's, it was hard to it was hard to watch some of these scenes and divorce that in my brain. Yeah. How gross that was. Yeah. And that was just what happened. But it was, time. yeah, it was just, I mean, it was honest. Yeah. You know, and it was terrible that it happened, but it, that it, it wouldn't have been, it would have been disingenuous to not right. talk about it. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, it's it. That's, that's dark, you yeah. know, like that's really dark and really gross. Uh, but you know, I'm not romantic about that part of it. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm not romantic about the groupie experience at all. Uh, I am romantic about William and I am romantic about the power of music. Yeah, no. And I wasn't saying you were romantic about yeah, that part. I, ju- I yeah. just wanted to be crystal clear for I the listener. I think you're both romantic about the wrong things. Oh, is that a, are you romantic about <laughs> No, groupies? I'm saying I think that's what you guys are actually romantic about. Oh, You're just covering face. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, no, that would like that 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 high school girl scene came up on when they're on the bus, and I was like, oh, I forgot about this entirely. Yeah. Uh, and then Zach texted me about the movie. He's like, what did you think of that scene? And I was like, I hated it. I forgot it was there. Yeah. And then he was like, yeah, I thought it was weird too. And I was like, honestly, it was probably how they were. You yeah. Know? Yeah. I mean, that's a thing that you and I have talked about. And I think we've talked about it on the pod before where that is a thing that comes up in movies sometimes. Uh, and I, I'm, I think that you're, uh, rightly more bothered by it than I have typically been. Um, like we talked about it with licorice pizza. Yeah. That ruined the whole movie for me. Right. Like it was, I thought it was a pretty good movie until like the last half hour. And I was like, I hate this movie. Yeah. And, and like also like a movie that I had nominated, but I ended up pulling it, uh, call me by your name. 
I don't know anything about that movie. Uh, it is like m- mainly the reason why I pulled it is like, I think it's a beautiful movie, but it is ultimately like a story about like a college student and a teenager having a love affair. Uh-huh. And like, it's just, I mean, it's, it's a real thing in life that happens, but like more and more I'm like, yeah, it's, it's pretty like gross to like, like portray that in any kind like I know people have had these experiences and those experiences are like worthy of sharing but it's still like ah, I don't know more and more I'm I'm like aligning with your like viewpoint that it's like it it really bothers me more than it used to yeah it, it a lot of the movie a lot of this movie was hard for me to watch because then I think about it I was like oh, man didn't David Bowie marry a 16 year old girl? Right. And that is a bummer. And I just, and then I'm like, Oh, well maybe I won't listen to David Bowie for a while. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 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 It's, it's hard to, I mean, again, it's important to, to be uh, honest, like you were talking Uh about, it would be disingenuous to not talk about it. Um, but it's, yeah, it's, it's bothering me more and more and more the older I get. Yeah. And I think the older I get as well, I'm not very old. Uh, but like when I think like, oh, like I'm probably Russell's age in this movie. Like he's probably around my age. Right. And I couldn't imagine even wanting to talk to a high school girl normally. I know they're like, awful, right? Like, yeah. who, like, <laughs> like, whoa, you're like, going to hurt our audience here. I know yeah. we have a lot of uh, younger female listeners. I'm sorry, but like you're not interesting to me. Like, I think you're a great person. You'll be a great person one day. Yeah. Talk to me in 15 years. We'll be friends. Yeah, exactly. Uh, But you're not interesting right now. And frankly, you're like, like it's, it's, it's tough. Like like they're obnoxious. So like, I don't get it to like have any romantic interest. It, 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 it's not even, it's not even something I can begin to understand. Right. Yeah. You know, but I think when I was young, you know, kind of Scott to your point earlier, not to get too deep into my history, but like, I think when I was this age, I think I was prone to seek out people much older than me. And I think probably you're young and it feels okay to you because you're like those people. You're like those young people. You feel older. Yeah. And you feel like you're ready for something like this. And exactly. Not. Yeah. A hundred percent. And so I think because I had that in my, like, because when I was 16, I was truly like seeking out, uh, people in their mid twenties, uh-huh. to like connect with and be close to. Um, like I get, I've, I've always like grown up being forgiving of that in movies because I'm like, ah, you know, I didn't have a sexual experience like with someone much older than me when I was younger, Uh. but it's, it's a, it's a sentiment I related to and it didn't feel gross to me. But now that I'm even past the age of like someone like Russell, I'm like, oh yeah, that is just like, I can't understand it anymore. It's unconscionable to me. And it does like kind of ruin some of these stories for me. Yeah. That's, that's why I'm choosing to be ignorant. Don't tell me anything about any famous person. I like for the rest of my life. Good or bad. I don't want to know the good. I don't want to know the bad. You don't well, want to know the good. No, because I'm, uh, then I feel like that's an invitation for people to tell me more things and then I might hear something bad. So just don't tell me anything. That's the, that's the line I'm drawing about anyone that you like. Uh, you know what? I, I take that back. I, w- I would like to hear the good. I just hope there's no bad. Don't tell me the bad. <laughs> uh, Jake, I can't remember. Is it you or Zach that really dislikes Zoe Deschanel? I do not like Zoe, yeah, it's Zoe okay. Deschanel. It's Jake. I um, was, and I picked this movie and I was fine. I think pre, I don't know, like I, it, she's fine in Elf. I think she's fine in this movie. There's a certain point. I don't know what it is because I'm not very familiar with her, but uh, she like, like went under and then came back up really annoying. And I don't know when that <laughs> I don't know when that is, but I didn't think she was annoying in this movie. Okay, yeah, that's interesting. Uh, but yeah, I don't. I don't. Are I, you sure it's her and just not the character she plays? I think that she gets cast to play characters that are like her now. I I would I would, uh, I would think that she is cast. Kind yeah, of I thing. think she is, and maybe I'm wrong. I don't know, but uh, may, maybe maybe that's not her. But uh, the character she plays always really annoy me and it's hard it's hard for me <laughs> yeah. to separate them at this point 
Scott, you're a you're a big Zoe Deschanel fan. I I wouldn't say I'm a fan, but I wouldn't say that I have any distaste for her. Okay, like, I think she delivers good performances on the types of roles she's called to do. I don't think that's who she is. Like I don't. I think mm. she's probably a very different person mm. than we even know. Um, and I think that of most actors and actresses, just because that's their job is to fake it. Um, I just so. think that some some people are good at faking it, and some people are good at probably delivering something they're familiar with. Mm. Yeah, I, like, I, I think she, she definitely has a lot of roles that are similar. I don't think she has a lot of range, and that's what leads me to believe that that's probably what she's like. Because she probably, like, I, I feel like if an actor has a lot of range and they get a lot of different roles, they're probably very different from the roles that they play. But if they get a lot of similar roles, either they're just good at playing that person for some reason, or they're similar to that person. Mm. Is my... Instinct. Maybe. I mean, I, th- I think of people who, like, are so, like, typecast, but have had really good performances outside of those things. Like Sean Bean. What was his? What was his good performance? That <laughs> I don't know. I was just oh. I was just I was thinking say, of someone shot. who's always cast to die. You know, I, say, like, <laughs> I was going to even say someone like Will Ferrell. Can I? Can I tell you something? Uh, you said Sean Bean. I started thinking about Mr. Bean, and I was like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> <laughs> I think Sean Bean is good. Is a good actor, but he's yeah. just he's always the one that you want to cast when a character has to die. Yeah, yeah. Like I think he's good. I don't think he's spectacular with a sword. Well, or not like Goldeneye, like you know. You know what? He doesn't die in National Treasure, though. Surprisingly, oh, he just goes to jail. Yeah, that's right. He doesn't die. Yeah, I watched National Treasure for the first time, and I saw the cops coming. I was like, "Oh, here it is!" And then he just got arrested, <laughs> and I was like, "What?" <laughs> like it's in Sean Bean's contract that it's like he has to die, and it's like, think, "Here it comes. Here's the Sean Bean death." I think it's the opposite now. I think he has contracts where he's like, "I'm not." He's like, "I'm not taking roles that I die in." Anymore. I refuse to die. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, but Scott, I kind of cut you off with a joke. Like characters that that are typecast but have standout performances. Yeah, I, like Will Ferrell's had a couple of serious roles that were very surprising for people. Um, Jim Carrey was another one who was like always like the funny, ridiculous, physical Slapstick. humor. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then he has movies like Twenty Three, right? Where he or comes the out. Majestic. Uh huh. What is? Yeah. I've never heard of either of those movies. Oh, they're terrific. The Majestic is a, uh, it's a, uh, romantic drama, uh, and 23 was like a, like a suspense thriller. Thriller, yeah. Huh. Uh. Where it's like serious roles. Like, they, yeah, he wasn't serious. joking. He wasn't b- doing slapstick comedy. He mm-hmm. was just acting. Yeah. And so, I think just when you deliver so well on a certain role, especially early in your career, then people are like, whenever they have a role like that, they think of you and try to get you for that. I feel thing. like I don't, I don't know that I think about comedians getting typecast. Cause to me, they're comedians and they're doing like, they're like, it's oh, a we, genre. Yeah, thing. It's a genre where like, and <laughs> hopefully none of them are like the characters they play because they play insane people, you know? Uh, but they're just being funny. It's, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know that I've ever thought, Oh, this, Will Ferrell is really typecast because they keep putting him in comedies, you know, but well, maybe I'm wrong. No, I, that's an interesting point. And it makes me think of, I, I was just watching last night, um, the comedians in cars episode with Steve Harvey. Uh-huh. And Steve says to Jerry at one point, he's like, uh, a comedian can learn to become a great actor, but no great actor can learn to become a comedian. I feel like that makes sense. Yeah. And I think that's kind of even what you're saying that it's like, yeah, like they're just comedians, uh, not just they're comedians that are learning how to become great yeah. actors. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and that might be true. I will say, uh, total tangential, uh, but free, uh, free, I guess, plug or, or recommendation. Um, the shrink next door. Is that the one with Will Ferrell? It's Will Ferrell and Paul Rudd in both of them in serious roles. Like there, there are like dark comedic moments, but they're, they're in both very serious roles and they're, it's a true story. Like Uh they're, they're playing a, a true, the story of a true tragedy. Um, fantastic. 
two of the funniest people ever making me cry. I've heard a lot of great things about it. I just haven't, haven't had time to get to it. Yeah. Worth, worth the watch. Uh, cool. I I don't think I have anything else about almost famous. I mean, I loved it. I really, I loved the music. Uh, yeah. And it was just like, it's somehow, I don't know. I don't feel like everything was a major hit. Like that Almond Brothers band song that was playing right before the clip that we played. I don't feel like I really knew that song. I might've heard it before mm. and I'm an Almond Brothers band fan. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, I don't think that they were all mega hits. Mm-hmm. I think they're all really good songs though. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that seems to be another part of Cameron Crowe's fingerprints uh-huh. is just the best taste in music. Yeah. Those are, and, and the best, uh, not, not only taste, but like the best incorporation of music. Yeah. I heard that this movie had like a $3.5 million music budget or something. Wow. Yeah. Just to, I mean, <laughs> cause he is getting songs from some of the biggest bands of all time. Yeah. I imagine that's, that adds up. Yeah. And some of them, you know, you only hear for like 20 to 30 seconds, mm-hmm. but yeah. Most of them you only yeah, hear they, for if that. They were all I think they were all used really well. Like I think that it can be easy to have licensed music be a bit of a crutch in totally. movies. But I think that it was necessary here. Yeah, it didn't feel like a crutch to me. It felt like a vehicle. Yeah. And that's I I agree with you. Most of the time when I've experienced it, it feels like a crutch. Uh-huh. Um where there, there's already some emotion that all of these people associate with this song. Yeah. So I'm going to play this song and they're going to feel that emotion because mm. everybody knows this song and everybody already associates it with that anyways. It kind of harkens back to the 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 line uh, that Frances McDormand delivers uh, to her daughter where her daughter's like, listen to this song. It's all the reasons why I'm like moving out to become a stewardess. And Frances McDormand says... Really, we can't have a conversation. We have to listen to a rock song. Yeah. And it's like that felt like the maybe the theme of the movie is that rather than having a conversation with you about this, I want to play you a song uh-huh. that perfectly encapsulates my emotion. Yeah. And, and it felt like Cameron just did that for an entire movie. Yeah. And it worked for me. It worked for me, too. All right, let's put this one to bed. Uh, we're going to, what do you say we actually start with Zach since he, just because he's not here? I mean, I know that, or or would you rather? I would say still Jake first, then we'll go Zach. Okay, cool. All right, I'm going to give this uh, 8.5 Golden Gods. And then uh, you want to share what Zach, you already shared what Zach said, but you want to give his rating? Yeah, Zach gave this an eight. He didn't give us a denominator, so I'm going to pick one for him. Oh, hold on. I have one for him. Oh, okay. I, I'll have to share a story, though. So I was texting Zach about all the crazy people that were in this movie. And as I was texting him, that scene happens where they tell William that uh, he's going to be the cover story. Uh, and I'm not super looking. And I thought that that guy was Bradley Cooper and he doesn't look anything <laughs> like Bradley Cooper. Uh, and, but I was like, Bradley Cooper, crazy. And I texted that to Zach and Zach's like, are you sure he's in the movie? And I was like, I'm like super sure. And then he's like, it's not on his IMDb. So then I re <laughs> so then I rewind and I paused on it and I was like, that's, that's not him. Uh, and so I sent the picture to Zach. Uh, but so I, uh, he, I think gave it eight guys that don't look like Bradley Cooper. <laughs> Fair. Fair. Uh, I'm actually also going to give this 8.5, uh, oh man, I, I, I've just cycled through so many bad ones that I just can't say out loud. So I'm going to say 8.5 needle drops. Uh, I'm going to give this 7.3, uh, jumps from the roof into the pool and then becoming friends with a bunch of high schoolers. (laughs) (laughs) That was pretty close to what I. I was going to say, and I just didn't feel like I mean, that's that, that was the scene I took mine from, too. So. Yeah. <laughs> we all were there in that neighborhood. <laughs> all right, so this comes out to an 80% uh, movie number 53 out of 138. All right. Uh, once again, uh, Rotten Tomatoes gave it an 89%. IMDb gave it a 7.9. So uh, we're right in line with IMDb, uh, a little bit in between. But, yeah, I, I'm comfortable with that. I am, too. Yeah. 
for our listeners, I mean, obviously this is, this has been a little bit of a slept on movie for a long time. You know, it didn't do well in the box office, but, uh, if you haven't, if you made it all the way through this episode and you haven't watched almost famous, what are you doing with your life? Yeah. Go watch it. Uh, you don't have to pay the three bucks to rent it. Yeah. Or just, just, you know, if you have my number, text me, you know, if you're old, (laughs) you probably really like these bands anyways, you know? Well, but we already gave you the whole plot. It's you don't have to. I don't know that. I don't know that we. I mean, I guess we gave like a summary, but I don't think we got into the finer points of the plot. I feel like there's a lot that we didn't talk about that would be interesting to see. It's about two gangs. Yeah. <laughs> it's pig parents. Two point Just kidding. <laughs> All right. Well, where are we going next week, Scott? Uh, next week, we are taking the next step in our journey down the greatest saga of all time. We're going to Fast Five. Can't wait. <laughs> I'm excited. Um, Jake, on a scale from 9.9 to 10, how excited are you for Fast Five? 11. Dude, I think this episode is just going to be effed up.